Father, help me to communicate again something that will help the church and help each and every one of us individually. May it be that every single person in this room will receive something from your word this morning. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I did say to Sujith this morning, and I've done this before here, that I've got uh, five or six life messages, and I think you've probably had most of them. Uh, I hope I haven't done this one. If my memory's going and I've done it before, then we're in a mess. But I don't think so. But this is something that is very, very real to me. And uh, I think in this time in the life of the church that it will, and particularly for some of you, particularly if you have an ear to hear, God will uh, bless you and encourage you, perhaps challenge you as well. I want you to realize that a fool is not necessarily stupid just that he doesn't recognize the obvious. I'll give you an example of what I mean. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson went on a camping trip. And after a good meal, they lay down for the night and they went to sleep. And some hours later, Sherlock Holmes woke up and he nudged his faithful friend. He said, Watson, look up at the sky and tell me what you see. Watson replied, well, I, I see millions and millions of stars. Ah, said Sherlock. And what does that tell you? Watson pondered for a moment. And then he said, well, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I can observe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. Theologically, I can see that God is omnipotent and that we are small and insignificant. Meteorologically, I suspect that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. And what did it tell you, Sherlock? Holmes was silent for a moment and then he spoke. Watson, you meathead, somebody has stolen our tent. <laughs> he saw everything, but he didn't see the obvious. And I think that very often we go through life seeing everything, but sometimes not the obvious. That somehow it's hidden in the midst of circumstance and situation. I remember when we lived in Liverpool, in the Albert Dock there, there was a shop that sold these pictures. I don't know whether you've ever seen them, they're just little dots. And they just look absolutely nothing at all, but you have to relax your eyes. And I remember standing outside the shop for quite some time looking at these pictures, and you would just visualize, visualize and then suddenly it would click in, and you'd see a whale jumping out of the water or something like that. And it was quite remarkable, really, that what wasn't obvious at first suddenly became very, very obvious. It's a little bit like an x-ray, that an x-ray is something that takes a picture and instead of seeing what is there, they see beyond what is there and it all becomes very, very obvious. Now, one of my life messages is that Jesus came to give every one of us a life and a life that is more than abundant. In other words, it's a great life. I enjoy, I think, basically every day of my life. I wake up with an appreciation that my name is not to be found in the obituary column on that particular occasion, and that this day is a day that I can rejoice and be glad in it. It's a great life that we give. And so one of my life messages is to tell people, start enjoying this glorious life that God has given to us. It's relatively short, so let's make the most of it. But 
Remember when I came one day and gave you a two-pound coin standing on the shoulders of giants? Actually, on that coin, there was a head and there was a tail. There was two sides to the coin, depending on which side you looked at. And although, on the one hand, our life is to be rich and abundant and to be enjoyed, on the other hand, our life is full of trials and difficulties. That's just the reality. Seemingly bad things happen to seemingly good people. And I don't care who you are, this life is a mixture of both that that is to be enjoyed and kind of entering into something of a laughter and an enjoyment. And on the other hand, the news might be brought or something might happen into our life and into our circumstance that is a trial and is a test. Some of you will be going through those things right now. thing is this, that I have to tell you, that whereas as Christians we want to enter into the promised land, we want to enter into all that God has got for us, but you can't get into the promised land without going through the wilderness. There's a journey that's involved. And our life really is a mixture of these two things. So what do we see when we're enjoying the abundant life? Or are we missing the obvious? Or what do we see, probably more importantly, when we're going through a trial or a tribulation? Or is it that we miss the obvious? Someone has stolen the tent. Now, what I want to do today, because this is my last time with you this year, and I just knew that this was one of the most intelligent congregations in the British Isles. And all those that agree say amen. You humble lot, you. <laughs> and because you are so intelligent, we are now going to have a little bit of fun with the message. And what I want you to do, I want you to really listen and pay attention to all the characters, and there will be a few, believe me, that I am going to mention in a biblical story that I am going to give to you. I want you to remember as many of these Bible characters as possible and then at the end, I will ask you a question and we'll see just how many are intelligent in it all. Let's turn our Bibles then, uh, as it were, to the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, we are introduced to a guy who is known as the father of our faith. His name is Abraham. Can you remember that? And Abraham was married to his half-sister, Sarah. Do you remember that name? Sarah. These two, they have a little boy, and his name is Isaac. Isaac. So already, I think you've already counted how many names have I mentioned up to now. Well, you've got them, you've got them, you've got them. You see, I knew you was intelligent. Let's turn our attention, if we may, to Isaac. And in Genesis 24 and verse 19, we find out that when he was 40 years old, news for you this morning, life begins at 40 and I can't wait to get there I'm looking forward forward to that day and when he was 40 years of age he married a young lady who was Rebecca who was Laban's sister and Isaac he begins to pray for Rebecca 
Because you will find out in verse 21, this is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son Abraham, because Isaac, Isaac was 40 years age when he took Rebekah as his wife. She was the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Panam Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac pleaded with the Lord, he prayed, he prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, couldn't have kids or wasn't having kids. And the Lord granted his play and his Wife Rebecca conceived. How many of you know that we serve a prayer answering God? How many of you know that here it is, we have this man by the name of Isaac praying for his wife Rebecca because she hadn't had any children and God answers the prayer, same verse there, that she falls pregnant. How many of you think that's a great answer to prayer? No, you've you've missed the obvious. Someone's stolen the tent. You see, you've missed something pretty important, and it is easy to miss. The truth is, it says that he was 40 years of age when he married. It says that he prayed for his wife to have children, and she did. But actually, it's a few verses later that you find out in verse 26 that Isaac was 60 years of age when she bore the children. 20 years after he prayed. Now, we read it because it's all in one verse. He prayed and God answered and she had children. But we're missing something. We're missing the fact that it was 20 years after he prayed that she had the kids. Hmm. See, what we've got to understand is he is a prayer answering God. And I'm glad you all went, yes, yes, wonderful. Because he does answer prayer But there are two ingredients of prayer that we must understand if we're to enter into all that God's got for us. And that is the ingredient of both faith and patience. Because God does answer prayer, but he doesn't always answer it in the way that you want. And he doesn't always answer it in the timing that you want. I think I've told you this before. As a young lad of 16, I had a remarkable experience. I hadn't come from a Christian home. I hadn't been brought up in that kind of way, although my mum and dad were just fantastic. Both of them were Christians, became Christians, and both got baptised in war. Just a lovely mum and dad, never heard them swear, drink too much. Never. They were just lovely parents. They, they were just great, great, great parents, and I'm so grateful to God for that. Uh, But when I was 16 years of age, I had a remarkable experience when I'd only been a Christian a couple of years and a a man came into our church who laid his hands on me and prophesied. 16 years of age. It was a remarkable prophecy. I I, I mean, it broke me down. I told him he was wrong and we could go into that story. It's quite a funny story, really, but... But he prophesied that one day I'd stand before tens of thousands of people and see hundreds and hundreds give their lives to the Lord and I'd see hundreds and hundreds of people healed. Ridiculous. 16-year-old lad sitting on the back of the, back of the church with another lad, Alan Hewitt. I was certain this guy had got the wrong guy until I looked at me, mate, and he was so scared he'd gone under the seat. He was Alan Hewitt. Hmm. Of course, it didn't happen. No, it didn't happen until 32 years later. When I was 48 years of age. Oh, now you know I told a lie about waiting to be 40. (laughs) 
48 years of age in Ghana, in Accra. Absolutely with a football stadium filled to capacity. And I held a crusade there. And exhausted at the end of the first meeting, I sat down and looked out at these hundreds and hundreds of people that had come to the front to give their lives to the Lord. 28 churches were established as a result of the crusade. I saw the kind of miracles that we talk about, you know, people speaking for the first time and crutches being thrown in the air, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was just a remarkable... And I sat down and suddenly the word came back to the prophecy that was given to me as a lad of 16 years, 32 years later, it came to pass. That should give us great encouragement because if God has spoken something, then it will come to pass. And some of you need to hold on to the prophetic words that God has given to you. Some of you need to realise that if you're praying, God will hear and he will answer. But your prayers have to be mingled with both faith and patience. <laughs> we live in a, a world of everything wanting to be instant. But sometimes it's not like that in this abundant lifestyle that is also tinged at times with trials and tribulations. But at least God did answer the prayer 20 years later. And she does have children. No, listen, this is just absolutely tremendous. See, when God does something, he, he kind of very often does it exceedingly abundantly above anything that we could ask or think because she does fall pregnant and now Rebecca is pregnant with twins. How many of you think this is a wonderful, wonderful answer to prayer after 20 years? Uh, no, someone's stolen the tent. Was it really wonderful? See, if you read the story, these twins that were in the womb of Rebecca were already fighting before they came out. And inside her womb, the Bible makes it clear that God said, there are two rival nations. <laughs> and one is going to serve the other. In fact, it's going to be the strange way round that the younger generation will be served by the older. And so two children are born. Esau, whose name means skillful hunter, loved particularly by Isaac. And Jacob, whose name means mummy's boy. Oh, sorry, no, not in the Greek. Deceiver, favoured by his mum, Rebecca. <laughs> you know the story. Many of you will realise that the story goes on and Jacob, he, by deception really and trickery, steals the birthright blessing due to the firstborn. <laughs> Jacob the deceiver. Now listen to me. The Bible says that whatsoever a man sows, that he shall also reap. And as you go through the story and read it on, you find that the deceiver is about to be deceived. You see, he grows up and Jacob travels to his ancestral homeland of Padam Haram to see his uncle Laban and to find himself a wife. And I can imagine that he's walking around and he goes, I spy with my little eye. Something beginning with BG. Beautiful girl. And he spots a fair maiden 
who immediately he wants to marry. And he says to his uncle Laban, he says, oh, that, that daughter of yours, old Rachel, I really like her. I'd like to marry her. And so Uncle Laban says, you can. He says, I'll tell you what, though. Would you be willing to work for me for seven years? Seven years. Well, 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 I love my wife very, very much. We've been married for 47 years. But if she'd have asked me to wait seven years or her dad had said, work for me for seven years, and then you can have her, I think I'd have said, I think I'll spy another beautiful one over here. But he didn't. He really, really loved her. But the deceiver is about to be deceived. And those of you that know the story, let's use a little bit of Western imagination. The day of the wedding arrives and he's there, <laughs> ready to marry the person that he's fallen in love with. And so Jacob stands at the altar and... <laughs> Da, 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 da. She walks down the aisle. The priest says, well, <laughs> okay, you may remove the veil and kiss your bride. Ah! It's the wrong, it's the wrong sister. The deceiver has been deceived. Uh, this is not Rachel, the beautiful one with the beautiful eyes, it's Leah. I don't know whether she was the ugly one, but <laughs> compared to his eyesight, it was. This, this isn't who I wanted to marry. Ah, says Uncle Laban. Then you must work for me another seven years. Dear, dear me. Whatsoever a man sows, he reaps. The deceiver had been deceived. And so now, married to Leah, he works another seven years and then is able to take for his wife, Rachel. Two wives the doctrine of which will be explained by your pastor next week. Because <laughs> I'm not going into it. <laughs> Are you ready? Get ready now to listen. You see, Leah, wife number one, starts to have some children. And in Genesis 29 and verse 32, she has a little boy by the name of Reuben. And then in verse 33, she has another little boy by the name of Simeon. And then in verse 34, she has another boy by the name of Levi. And then in verse 35, she has another little boy by the name of Judah. Four boys, four verses, boy, oh boy. All born to Leah. And then Rachel, who he really, really loves, still hasn't had any children. But in those days, it seems that it was an acceptable practice. She had a little servant girl by the name of Bilhah. And she gives Bilhah to her husband so that she could have children almost on her behalf. The doctrine of which will be explained by your pastor next week. And Bilhah starts producing. Genesis 30 and verse 5, she has her first child, it's his fifth child, it's a little boy again by the name of Dan. And then in verse 7, Naphtali, another little boy, is born to her. <laughs> and by this time, Leah. She has stopped producing children as well. So she has a servant girl by the name of Zilpah. Are you remembering all these names? And Zilpah, who is the servant girl of Leah, the doctrine of which will be explained by senior pastor next week, starts to have children. In Genesis 30, in verse 10, she has his seventh boy and her first by the name of Gad. 
And then she has another little boy in verse 12, Asher, his eighth child, eighth boy, her second. Then there's a little bit in the story, which your pastor will explain next week, where Reuben finds some mandrakes, and because the roots of the mandrake are an aphrodisiac, he wants to give his mum some, and Rachel wants some as well, and well, the whole story of aphrodisiacs will be explained by your pastor. Oh, I haven't got time. <laughs> and we've got some people to meet. You see, again now, it is not Rachel, but Leah that starts having kids again. In Genesis chapter 30, in verse 17, she has her fifth child. It's another boy. It's his ninth child, and his name is Issachar. Then in verse 19, she has her sixth child, a sixth boy. It's his tenth son, and his name is Zebulun. And then you can almost hear the hallelujah chorus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It happens, finally, wonderfully. In verse 21, the 11th child and the first girl is born. Her name, Dinah. Beautiful. Oh dear, nearly at the end of the story. But now it finally comes round. Thank goodness, Rachel. She gives birth to a little baby. It's her first it's the 11th son, the 12th child. And his name is Joseph. Some of you all know the story of Joseph and this coloured robe. And then she has another little boy, Benjamin. From where we get the 12 tribes, of course, of Israel. It's been a little bit hard to concentrate on all these kids and all these people that I've brought into it. And so really what I would like to ask you now is a very simple question. And being the intelligent congregation that you are, I've got no doubt that we're on a safe winner here. And don't, whatever you do, say Jesus. When you're in Sunday school, Jesus is the answer to everything, isn't it? In this one, it's not. Who is the most important person that I've mentioned in the whole of the story? Someone put their hand up. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Rachel, who said Rachel? I'm going to let you shake my bad hand. <laughs> Great answer, Rachel. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Anybody else? Go God, God. You, you had to get that one in, didn't you? That's, a, that's like Jesus, that one is. No. I mean, we know it's going. Oh, dear. There's always one that does it. Always one. <laughs> sorry oh you see the father of our faith Abraham no 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 let me tell you a little story story is that there was a new pastor being inducted into the church so they had a big convention and there's a big trestle table with all the lovely food on and they're going along and, and Mabel's there and she's giving out the, the chicken wings the new pastor goes along and she puts a piece of chicken wing on his plate and nods to him and smiles. And he says, oh, Mabel, he says, I think I'll have, uh, I think I'll have another piece of chicken, please. She says, no, you won't. Move on. He says, no, no, no. excuse me, I don't know whether you heard me. I'd like another piece of chicken, please. 
She said, I don't know whether you heard me. No, move on. She said, excuse me, he says. I don't think you know who I am. I'm the new pastor of this church. Can I have another piece of chicken, please? She looks at him and says, Pastor, she says, I don't think you know who I am. I'm Mabel that gives out the pieces of chicken. Move on, please. <laughs> Who's the most important person in that story? Mabel, not the pastor. Who's the most important person that I've mentioned? Someone's stolen the tent. It's easy to miss the obvious. Now, of course, Rachel Abraham, very, very important. Very, very important. But I want to turn you to the New Testament. I want to turn you to a part that you skip over very, very often. It's a bit of a, what you'd call very often a boring part of the Bible. There's me marker here. It's Matthew. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 1, which says, This is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Great. We'd mentioned him. Abraham begat Isaac. Oh, we mentioned him. And Isaac begat Jacob. Oh, we mentioned him. And Jacob begat Judah and his brothers. Judah. Now, if I've got this right, in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, Suddenly, we are introduced to Judah, whose name means praise. But who was Judah born to? He was born to Leah, not Rachel. He, he, he was born to the person that was the mistake. He was born to the lady that actually was married because of deception. And yet, in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is Leah's boy, Judah, that is to be found. Hmm. Someone has stolen the tent. And we are introduced to an amazing, amazing truth. A truth that helps us to see that when we cannot see... There is something to be seen. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Sadness because of the loss of Doreen, of course, of course. And yet, the voice of her son this morning said to me, but we rejoice. She's now with the Lord, which is far better great answer a car crash that you spoke about last night that we can't say was good because it wasn't and yet your testimony was that in it all you saw something which couldn't have been seen unless it had happened hmm. I'm here today to tell you they're all things. I said all things. 
all things are working together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Don't ask me to understand it. Don't ask me to explain it because at times someone has stolen the tent. And we miss the obvious. That if God is for us, then who can be against us? I'm here this morning to tell you this. That Jesus does promise us an abundant lifestyle. Ah yes. But this abundant lifestyle is only one side of the coin. Because all of us are still going to experience trials and tribulations and difficulties. That we probably won't be able to see what can't be seen unless we ask for God's revelation to see it. And in the sovereignty of God, we need to understand that all things are working together. Some of you here are perhaps not enjoying that abundant life. You need to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first important step of all. Life doesn't begin at 40. Life begins when you are born again of the Spirit of God and make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Some of you may not have done that yet. What an opportunity this morning. You came for one reason, but can you now see it? You're here so that you might respond to the love of God and the grace of God. Some of you may experiencing the land of need and want and desert that life's pretty tough at the moment that you've enjoyed it would seem better days and there's things that you just don't quite grasp and understand some of you have prayed for an answer and it hasn't come there's frustration there perhaps doubt, unbelief, disappointment and confusion has set in Perhaps you've prayed and you've had an answer, but it's not the answer you wanted. Give me a son and you get two sons. Perhaps it is that the result of the prayer is not what you expected at all. Perhaps some of you experienced the trickery of someone deceiving you, letting you down. Someone of your own family. And when I say that, it needn't necessarily be even your blood family. It can be your relationship with somebody within the church or another church. A family member, somebody else that belongs to the Lord Jesus and that you feel let down and tricked and deceived by, by them. I've known what that's like. <laughs> Perhaps it is that in it all, we fail to see the obvious. That even though we can make mistakes, God can and will bring a greater glory to his name. His will will be done. His purposes will be fulfilled. I'm very excited for the life of the church because of the hope and the expectancy that I have for this coming year. I don't think it's been a very easy year for many of you. And the church has continued to go through certain things. But could it be that in this time of sifting and sorting, that God is doing something that can't easily be seen? The tent has been stolen. And we're trying to say, but, 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 rather than say, oh, God is at work. God is doing something. And because our hearts are towards him, oh, I want to tell you, the future is very, very bright. And so today, 
Has someone stolen your tent? Is it that you're not really seeing things as perhaps you ought to? Perhaps you need an x-ray. <laughs> See what can't be seen naturally. Perhaps it is that you just need to rest on the fact that the Lord of his church is building it. And the Lord of his church is on your side. And no matter what, there's an amazing truth to be found that very often what we can't see can be seen as the Lord anoints our eyes to view the invisible. Bow your heads in a word of prayer, will you please? What an amazing truth. There was no real answer, but for me it was Leah, Leah, Leah that was the most important person there because she became the mother of Judah who was in the lineage of Jesus. My, oh my. But of course we wouldn't normally see it because <laughs> she was the seeming mistake. Perhaps some of you think there's been mistakes. Things have happened. Decisions have been taken. And you think, that's not right. I can't understand. Hey, rest. Rest. God is at work. And Holy Spirit, do your own unique work in our hearts and lives today. We realize that even being here was not a mistake. There was purpose in it all. And I stand with my brothers and sisters in asking that in your name, Lord Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Father, that you would do your unique work in them. Those who've been disappointed and let down, deal with the hurt and the pain. Those that might want a confirmation of their salvation, seal it today. Those that have questions that they haven't got full answers to, may revelation come and may your peace rule. And so today, seal your word, I ask, in the lives particularly of those that stand before you now, as I pray it in your name and for your glory. Amen.